Good morning. This morning, the Lord just laid it on my heart to talk about union and intimacy with Him and try to give some language or some direction to how do I get there? You know, a lot of times we can see the life of others and see the depth with which they walk with Christ and it can cultivate in our own hearts this longing like how how did they get there and I think that that's why I'm so drawn to the saints of old because there is such a richness and such a depth in what they walked in with Jesus that I really feel the Lord breathing on today. You know, the American church overall I believe is just consumed with just a lukewarm spirit where hearts neither are neither cold but they're that they're not hot but when you find someone whose heart burns it's contagious and it makes your own heart if it's not burning or if it's not burning as bright as how you see theirs burn, it can, um, it can light a flame. It can like, it's like a lighting a match that just spreads. And so, um, I felt like today I wanted to just, um, talk about this flame of love that Christ is when he fastens himself upon our hearts. I probably say this every time that I talk. There's no half-heartedness in loving Jesus. There's no moderation in giving your life to him. It is a wholehearted thing. And it's like, how do you get there? And I am by no means an expert on this, but I do have my own testimony. In how I have come to really love him. And number one, it's time. You have to give him your time. You have to be consistent and steady, making time for Jesus every day. 
And in this time with Jesus, you know, you can wonder like, what, what am I supposed to do in this time? First of all, I would say create a space in your home if you don't have one that's just for you and him, preferably a closet. You know, when Jesus talked about prayer, he said to go and shut the door behind you, like find, find a secret place in your house. If it can't be a closet, then just a little nook or somewhere where it's your spot, where you meet with him, where it's, it's like your holy ground, where you will begin your journey with him, where it's a place for just you and Jesus. I would first decide where you will meet with him and then Make it your home. And go there every day. And stay there for hours. And how is it possible to spend hours a week with Jesus? I'll tell you personally, I have three children. Twelve, ten, and six who are all very active with sports. Our life is very busy. I work full time. And just for example, today, um, my husband's on a hunting trip. My oldest son has a doctor's appointment after school. And then a lesson for sports and then my two other ones also have practice so like it's it's wild in the afternoons so for me if I'm gonna spend time with Jesus it has to be before anyone is awake and I know that that can be hard and that can be a difficult routine to get in but once you get in it it becomes the very life source of your life In Ephesians 3, it says, um, May the resting place of his love become the very source and root of, of your life. And I feel like that just in my time with him in the morning. It is the source and it is the root of my life. The resting place of his love is the source and the root of my life. I do not miss a day because I can't and it's and it's not doing it out of obligation it's doing it because he is my life It's like breathing. It's like I can't take my first breath if he doesn't breathe into me. And so coming into that place, first, if you, once you've set aside that place in your home and then you go there, it is a place to meet with Jesus. I think you can spend years kind of going about it the wrong way in the sense of 
out of a religious mindset where there's no love. It's just like a duty. And whenever you're you're living out of duty and not out of love, um, obedience is hard. And you'll find yourself like kind of waxing and waning. But when Jesus talked about obedience, he talked about the ones that loved him. Like these are the ones that that love me, the ones that obey me. Like if you read 1 John, it's full of that. Obedience and love are absolutely linked. I've said before, like obedience is the fruit of loving Jesus. So when you love him, you obey. And it's not hard. Um, I think that will probably lead me into my second point, just in talking about how to cultivate union and intimacy with Jesus. Number one is create a space and give him time. Number two is obedience. And I think that this will come um, the more you get to know him. At first, it's hard to obey because you're kind of trying to obey out of the flesh. And you're like, I know what I should be doing, but it's difficult. And um, But once you start to love him, everything changes. It's like going, like Romans 8 talks about the life in the spirit and the life in the flesh. The life in the flesh will always be a battle to obey. The life in the spirit it just shifts everything and obedience is coming from a place of love where it's just the natural response because you love him Where you really do consider his heart. Because you love him. Not because it's something you're supposed to do. And so when he asks you to lay something down. Or when he highlights maybe a a sin in your life. Um, you realize that it gives him sorrow and you don't want to hurt him and he is constantly working in us to conform us into his image I would say a good test to see how you are in the maybe like the state of obedience that you've been walking in is like like how much does your life look like Jesus? It's a good question for for 
for me, like I'm preaching to the choir, but it's just, um, like if someone saw your life at any time, would it look like Jesus? Are there parts of your life that you haven't given to him because you still want to live in the world? You know, there's no living in the world when he lives inside of you. I mean, of course you're in the world, but there's no finding pleasure in the world. When you discover him as your pleasure, there is like, like you realize how, how empty the pleasures of the world are like everything that the world offers is so empty compared to knowing him and you begin to see every beautiful thing that he's given you in the world as only a reflection of his goodness and his mercy and his grace and every good thing only thrusts you harder at his feet to worship him. Every good thing brings about more love for him. It doesn't take away love from him. It all goes back to Jesus. Everything brings you back. So is that number two? Obedience. Number three, I would say, is um, learning how to practice the presence of God. This is something I don't think you ever fully attain. Um... It's like a dance. And I would say, like in your time that you spend with Jesus, don't get stuck in a rut of routine. And that can be hard, I think, for people that are more like schedule-oriented or routine-oriented, and maybe that works for you. I'm not, so I'm just going to... I can only tell from just my personal experience. Um... I come into my prayer closet every day asking him, where is he moving? Where are you moving today, Lord? What do you want today, Lord? And sometimes I'll pick up a book. Sometimes I'll listen to a song and quickly I'll know, no, that's not it. That's not it. Um, Or I might begin to journal. No, not I'm not feeling it. And then you will know by his presence, by your tears, by what he's moving on when he's on something. 
And whatever he is on, you stay there. And you press in there. And it's a place of um, cultivating a sensitivity to his presence and a desire for his presence. You know, time in the secret place is a duty as long as it is just kind of an obligation and just something that you're doing. But time in the secret place when his presence is upon you it becomes an addiction you know the enemy is like a counterfeit of everything he tries to make a counterfeit of everything I think one of the main ones that that I think of is um how it talks about like when the Holy Spirit um, came in the upper room and how like all of the the people, like it was like they were saying like, um, we're not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning, but like the way that the Holy Spirit was manifesting upon them, it was like literally as if people thought they were drunk there's like a drunkenness of the spirit that's that's a real thing um and i just see how the enemy has counterfeit that through alcohol um which i feel like i was a slave to for a long time until the lord broke that off of my life but it's a counterfeit it is absolutely a counterfeit of what the Holy Spirit gives. It is empty. You think it's fun, but it's not fun. There is no fun <laughs> like being drunk in the Spirit. It is so pure and so wonderful. And... um and it's real. And I just see like, even like with drugs, you know, like the enemy has counterfeited um, what I would call like just an ecstasy. You know, people do heroin or different things and it's like they're just stuck. Like they do it one time and they're stuck because of the ecstasy that it produces in their body. And it is the counterfeit. To the pure ecstasy. That your soul can experience. In the presence of God. It is an absolute counterfeit it is fake and it is evil 
All of it is an attempt of Satan to pervert and pollute the pure ecstasies of God. And our world can be so consumed with this fake stuff that they think that that's what's actually good. That God couldn't give anything better. And let me tell you, there is no drug in the world that could hold a candle to the ecstasy that is available when you experience the depths of his presence. You know, heaven is not something to wish to attain to one day. Heaven is experienced here when his presence dwells among us. And there's levels of that. You know, the Bible says we go from glory to glory. And once you taste, once you have this the smallest taste of what it is to experience the glory, which is the manifest presence of God, it is, it's, um, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The glory of God is like revealed in the face of Christ. It is like the king coming into the room. And you know it. You know when he's there. And if you've never been to church where you've known he was there, then go where his glory is. Because there are places where he is coming. Like he is coming and he rest and his glory dwells run to those places because one moment in his glory will ruin you for the rest of your life church is not an obligation and i think it remains an obligation as long as there is no glory Maybe your family members don't want to get up and go to church because there is no glory. Because they're going and listening to people sing songs and a man talk and there is no glory. And I can be honest, like I don't blame them. I don't want to be anywhere where he's not at. 
And sadly, like, I think the reason that there is such a lukewarm spirit is because so much of the American church has settled for no glory. And they've done this through doing it in their own flesh. Instead of coming to a place of pure humility and stopping the schedule and getting on our faces and crying out for the glory of God. Just one time in his glory will, will ruin you. It will ruin you. Um, I forgot what I was even talking about. Oh, discovering his presence. Yes, I think that um, cultivating that habitation of his presence in the secret place creates a hunger for you to experience his presence corporately and you can tell where his presence is and where his presence is not it's like you have a sensitivity to his presence and it cultivates a heart in you that will settle for nothing less than the presence of God I think I would just say to really immerse yourself in the writings of those whose hunger and love for Jesus just astound you. You know, we can waste so much time in our lives on pointless things that don't matter just scrolling through social media, watching stupid videos, all the the things of, of this day and age. But those that have gone before us have walked in levels of intimacy and love and glory I don't see in this day and age. And I just feel a beckoning of the Lord to go and search those things out. There are saints of old um, that will blow your mind. And it's like their flame will get on you. And their flame will identify any lukewarm areas of your heart. 
the best way to get caught on fire (laughs) is to get by someone who's on fire. And I think that, um, that there's an invitation for that just in reading and um, immersing yourself in those that have gone before us. And lastly, um, and most importantly, is to discover Jesus in his word. I feel like there's a place where his word becomes not something that you read, but something that you are. Like, like it really does take root in your life and it, it conforms you. It changes you. It is alive. It is active. It transforms your life. I would pick a book of the Bible. I, I started with First John. I could live in First John. It's five chapters, but but just those five chapters like changed my life. It's what His Word does. And the more you come to love Jesus, the more you come to love his word. It is such a beautiful treasure. And when reading the Bible personally, I am not one that can just like start in Genesis and just go through. Um, I just like to find where he's breathing. And it might be one verse, but I stay one for months and that's okay. I just, I don't want to read the Bible in the flesh. I want to read the Bible in the spirit and I want to read where he's breathing and so if you're reading a part and you're not feeling his breath on it then ask him where where are you breathing what are you breathing on he might want you somewhere else in his word um and so don't get stuck in too much of a schedule with your bible um I just feel like I want to be where he's breathing on. Um, And for me, that's, you know, I spend a lot of time in Song of Solomon. I spend a lot of time in the Psalms. Those are probably my two favorites. 
um, in the Gospels. You know, there and there's different parts. There's um, a lot in the Old Testament he draws me to sometimes. So it's just, it, it's it's discovering that dance and seeing what he's breathing on. Um, okay, well, I guess I will end here. Um, I wanted to just give some, like, practical things to help grow in your union with Jesus and just I guess one more thing like in prayer um, prayer can be so me focused you know just coming to him and all the things that you want and all the things that you need and God wants you to just do this and all this talking and um I would encourage your prayer time to be more quiet. Let it be a place of peace. Because honestly, you might think the answers to prayer and all those things on your list is what you need. you really need is the kiss of God upon your life is that kiss of his presence you need to experience him because when he comes when his presence comes every burden is lifted And it's like, I think of burdens in my own life as, um, I was thinking of this yesterday, as they're almost like seeds um, that take root and the fruit that they bear is union. Because every trial and every everything that I would like want him to answer like it only pushes me closer to him it only binds my heart closer to him it only makes me realize my need for him more it all goes back to him and needing more of him I don't need more answers I need more Jesus I just need him Because if you have him, you have everything. Okay, I guess I'm going to end here. Y'all have a wonderful day.